Chapter Twenty of Marriage, Volume One. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Patty Cunningham. Marriage, Volume One by Susan Edmonstone Ferrier. Chapter Twenty. For trifles, why should I displease the man I love? For trifles such as these, to serious mischiefs lead the man I love. Horace. Bright prospects of future happiness and endless plans of expense floated through Lady Juliana's brain and kept her temper in some degree of serenity during the journey. Arrived in London, she expressed herself enraptured at being once more in a civilized country and restored to the society of human creatures. An elegant house and suitable establishment were immediately provided, and a thousand dear friends who had completely forgotten her existence were now eager to welcome her to her former haunts and lead her thoughtless and willing steps in the paths of dissipation and extravagance. Soon after their arrival they were visited by General Cameron. It was two o'clock, yet Lady Juliana had not appeared, and Henry, half-stretched upon a sofa, was dawdling over his breakfast with half a dozen newspapers scattered round. The first salutations over, the general demanded, Am I not to be favoured with a sight of your lady? Is she afraid that I am one of your country relations and taken her flight from the breakfast-table in consequence? She has not yet made her appearance, replied Douglas, but I will let her know you are here. I am sure she will be happy to make acquaintance with one to whom I am so much indebted. A message was dispatched to Lady Juliana, who returned for answer that she would be down immediately. Three-quarters of an hour, however, elapsed and the general, provoked with this inattention and affectation, was preparing to depart when the lady made her appearance. "'Juliana, my love,' said her husband, "'let me present you to General Cameron, the generous friend who has acted the part of a father towards me, and to whom you owe all the comforts you enjoy.' Lady Juliana slightly bowed with careless ease, and half uttered a how-de-do, very happy indeed, as she glided on to pull the bell for breakfast. "'Cupid! Cupid!' cried she to the dog, who had flown upon the general and was barking most vehemently. "'Poor darling Cupid! Are you almost starved to death? Harry, do give him that muffin on your plate.' "'You are very late to-day, my love,' cried the mortified husband. "'I have been pestered for the last hour with Duval and the court dresses, and I could not fix on what I should like.' I think you might have deferred the ceremony of choosing to another opportunity. General Cameron has been here above an hour. Dear, I hope you did not wait for me. I shall be quite shocked, drawled out her ladyship, in a tone denoting how very indifferent the answer would be to her. I beg your ladyship would be under no uneasiness on that account, replied the general in an ironical tone, which, though lost upon her, was obvious enough to Henry. "'Have you breakfasted?' asked Lady Juliana, exerting herself to be polite. "'Absurd, my love,' cried her husband. "'Do you suppose I should have allowed the general to wait for that, too, all this time, if he had not breakfasted many hours ago?' "'How cross you are this morning, my Harry! "'I protest my cupidon is quite ashamed of a servant now entered to say that Mr. Shag was come to know her ladyship's final decision about the hammer-cloths, and the new footman was come to be engaged, and the china merchant was below. Send up one of them at a time, and as to the footman, you may say I'll have him at once, 
said Lady Juliana. I thought you had engaged Mrs. D.'s footman last week. She gave him the best character, did she not? asked her husband. Oh, yes, his character was good enough, but he was a horrid cheat for all that. He called himself five feet nine, and when he was measured, he turned out to be only five feet seven and a half. Pshaw! exclaimed Henry angrily. What the devil did that signify if the man had a good character? How absurdly you talk, Harry! As if a man's character signified who has nothing to do but stand behind my carriage. A pretty figure he'd make there beside Thomas, who is at least five feet ten. The entrance of Mr. Shag, bowing and scraping, and laden with cloths, lace, and fringes, interrupted the conversation. Well, Mr. Shag, cried Lady Juliana, what's to be done with that odious leopard skin? You must positively take it off my hands. I would rather never go in a carriage again as to show myself in the park with that frightful thing. Certainly, my lady, replied the obsequious Mr. Shag, anything your ladyship pleases. Your ladyship can have any hammercloth you like, and I have accordingly brought patterns of the very newest fashions for your ladyship to make choice. Here are some uncommon elegant articles. At the same time, my lady, your ladyship must be sensible that it is impossible that we can take back the leopard's skin. It was not only cut out to fit your ladyship's coach-box, and consequently your ladyship understands it would not fit any other, but the silver feet and crests have also been affixed quite ready for use, so that the article is quite lost to us. I am confident, therefore, that your ladyship will consider of this, and allow it to be put down in your bill. "'Put it anywhere but on my coach-box, and don't bore me,' answered Lady Juliana, tossing over all the patterns and humming a tune. "'What?' said her husband. "'Is that the leopard's skin you were raving about last week? And you're tired of it before it has been used? And no wonder. Who do you think I saw in the park yesterday but that old quiz Lady Denham, just come from the country with her frightful old coach set off with a hammercloth precisely like the one I had ordered?' Only fancy people saying, Lady Denham sets the fashion for Lady Juliana Douglas. Oh, there's confusion and despair in the thought. Confusion, at least, if not despair, was painted in Henry's face as he saw the general's glance directed alternately with contempt at Lady Juliana and at himself mingled with pity. He continued to fidget about in all directions while Lady Juliana talked nonsense to Mr. Shag and wondered if the general never meant to go away. But he calmly kept his ground till the man was dismissed, and another introduced, loaded with china jars, monsters, and distorted teapots, for the capricious fair one's choice and approbation. Beg ten thousand pardons, my lady, for not calling yesterday according to appointment. Quite an unforeseen impediment. The Countess of Godolphin had somehow got private intelligence that I had a set of fresh commodities just cleared from the custom-house, and well knowing such things are not long in hand, her ladyship came up from the country on purpose. The Countess has so much taste. She drove straight to my warehouse, and kept me a close prisoner till after your ladyship's hour. But I hope it may not be taken amiss, seeing that it is not a customary thing with us to be calling on customers, not to mention that this line of goods is not easily transported about. However, I flatter myself the articles now brought for your ladyship's inspection will not be found beneath your notice. Please to observe this choice piece. 
It represents a Chinese cripple squat on the ground with his legs crossed. Your ladyship may observe the head and chin advanced forward, as in the act of begging. The tea pours from the open mouth, and, till your ladyship tries, you can have no idea of the elegant effect it produces. That is really droll, cried Lady Juliana with a laugh of delight, and I must have the dear sick beggar. He is so deliciously hideous. And here, continued Mr. Brittle, is an amazing delicate article, in the way of a jewel, a frog of Turkish agate for burning pastilles in, my lady, just such as they use in the seraglio, and indeed this one I may call invaluable, for it was the favorite toy of one of the widow's sultana till she grew devout and gave up perfumes. One of her slaves disposed of it to my foreign partner. Here it opens at the tail, where you put in the pastilles, and closing it up, the vapor issues beautifully through the nostrils, eyes, ears, and mouth all at once. Here, sir, turning to Douglas, if you are curious in new workmanship, I would have you examine this. I defy any jeweler in London to come up to the fineness of these hinges, and the delicacy of the carving. Pshaw! Damn it! said Douglas, turning away and addressing some remark to the general, who was provokingly attentive to everything that went on. Here, continued Mr. Brittle, are a set of jars, teapots, mandarins, sea-monsters, and pug-dogs, all of superior beauty, but such as your ladyship may have seen before. Oh, the dear, dear little puggies! I must have them to amuse my own darlings. I protest, here is one, the image of Psyche. Positively I must kiss it. Oh, dear, I am sure, cried Mr. Brittle, simpering, and making a conceited bow. Your ladyship does it and me too much honor. But here, as I was going to say, is the phoenix of all porcelain ware, the ne plus ultra of perfection, what I have kept in my back room concealed from all eyes until your ladyship shall pronounce upon it. Somehow one of my shopmen got word of it, and told her grace of L, who has a pretty taste in these things for a young lady, that I had some particular choice article that I was keeping for a lady that was a favorite of mine. Her grace was in the shop the matter of a full hour and a half, trying to wheedle me out of a sight of this rare piece, and I, pretending not to know what her grace would be after, but showing her thing after thing to put it out of her head, but she was not so easily bubbled, and at last went away ill enough pleased. Now, my lady, prepare all your eyes. He then went to the door and returned carrying with difficulty a large basket, which till then had been kept by one of his satellites. After removing coverings of all descriptions, an uncouth group of monstrous size was displayed, which, on investigation, appeared to be a serpent coiled in regular folds round the body of a tiger placed on end, and the whole structure, which was intended for a vessel of some kind, was formed of the celebrated green-mottled china, invaluable to connoisseurs. "'View that well!' exclaimed Mr. Brittle, in a transport of enthusiasm, "'for such a specimen, not one of half the size, has ever been imported to Europe. "'There is a long story about this, my phoenix, as I call it. "'But to be brief, it was secretly procured from one of the temples, "'where gigantic as it may seem, and uncouth for the purpose, "'it was the idol's principal teapot.' "'Oh, delicious!' cried Lady Juliana, clasping her hands in ecstasy. I will give a party for the sole purpose of drinking tea out of this machine, and I will have the whole room fitted up like an Indian temple. Oh, it will be so new! I die to send out my cards. 
the duchess of b told me the other day with such a triumphant air when i was looking at her two little green jars not a quarter the size of this that there was not a bit more of that china to be had for love or money oh she will be so provoked and she absolutely skipped for joy a loud rap at the door now announcing a visitor lady juliana ran to the balcony crying oh it must be lady gerard for she promised to call early in the morning that we might go together to a wonderful sale in some far-off place in the city that wapping for aught i know mr brittle mr brittle for the love of heaven carry the dragon into the back drawing-room i purchase it remember make haste lady gerard is not to get a glimpse of it for the world the servant now entered with a message from lady gerard who would not alight begging that lady juliana would make haste down to her as they had not a moment to lose she was flying away without further ceremony than a pray excuse me to the general when her husband called after her to know whether the child was gone out as he wished to show her to the general i don't know indeed replied the fashionable mother i haven't had time to see her to-day and before douglas could reply she was downstairs a pause ensued the general whistled a quick step, and Douglas walked up and down the room in a pitiable state of mind, guessing pretty much what was passing in the mind of his friend, and fully sensible that it must be of a severer nature than anything he could yet allow himself to think of his Juliana. Douglas, said the general, have you made any step towards a reconciliation with your father-in-law? I believe it will become shortly necessary for your support. Juliana wrote twice after her marriage, replied he, but the reception which her letters met with was not such as to encourage perseverance on our part. With regard to myself, it is not an affair in which delicacy will permit me to be very active, as I might be accused of mercenary motives, which I am far from having. Oh, of that I acquit you. But surely it ought to be a matter of moment, even to, uh, Lady Juliana. The case is now altered time must have accustomed him to the idea of this imaginary affront and on my honour if he thought like a gentleman and a man of sense i know where he would think the misfortune lay nay don't interrupt me the old earl must now i say have cooled in his resentment perhaps too his grandchildren may soften his heart this must have occurred to you has her ladyship taken any further steps since her arrival in town i i believe she has not but i will put it in her mind a daughter who requires to have her memory refreshed on such a subject is likely to make a valuable wife said the general dryly douglas felt as if it was incumbent on him to be angry but remained silent hark ye douglas continued the general i speak this for your interest you cannot go on without the earl's help you know i am not on ceremony with you and if I refrain from saying what you see I think about your present ruinous mode of life, it is not to spare your feelings, but from a sense of the uselessness of any such remonstrance. What I do give you is with good will, but all my fortune would not suffice to furnish pug-dogs and deformed teapots for such a vitiated taste, and if it would, hang me if I should. But enough on this head. The earl has been in bad health, and is lately come to town. His son, too, and his lady are come about the same time, and are to reside with him during the season. I have heard Lord Lindore spoken of as a good-natured, easy man, and he would probably enter willingly into any scheme to reinstate his sister into his father's good graces. 
Think of this and make what you can of it. And my particular advice to you personally is, try to exchange into a marching regiment. For a fellow like you, with such a wife, London is the very devil. And so good morning to you. He snatched up his hat and was off in a moment. End of chapter 20 Recording by Patty Cunningham